0: But I want you to listen carefully, cause I wrote down, uh, and and I don't want you to just think we're going to a movie, and so let's just lean back and relax. I want you to write down what you what you hear the Holy Spirit saying during this uh, this video tonight, and uh, and then we'll. We'll get back together when that's—I'll um, come back up, and, and we, I, I'll just point out some things to you, but I believe you'll have some stuff, too, that God shows you.
1: Heidi, I want to personally thank you for impacting my life. And Hello. I know I am only one little piece of the entire world that you have already impacted.
2: Oh, it's a joy to be with you. I'm so happy. Thank
1: you. And— God just gave us a big treat with you today, Aww. and we have been enjoying this in the last three days. I have been just watching you, imitating you. You know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So I have been one of your imitators.
2: Aww. I have a very simple life. Very, yes. It's complicated in some ways, but it's very simple, too. It's yes. <laughs> Love God and love the one in front of you, and
1: yes, I met a pastor here. He told me uh, he's from Williamsburg, Virginia. He said Heidi is teaching us pastors how to love. Aww. Let's start with love. You Amen. have a PhD in systematic theology, right? Yes, but still, you preach the simple gospel message, and the core of that message is love in your message.
2: Absolutely. So tell us what
1: that love does here in Mozambique.
2: The first thing is we find out who we are. You know, we we find out what Jesus did for us, all of us. You know, whether it's from the little, small little ones all the way to the old grannies in in the village, in the bush bush, we just fall in love with Jesus. And He washes us clean and He takes away our pain and our sin and our brokenness and that's what happens first that's, what, that's why we're different and then we all, we teach all the time just receive the love of the Father just let Daddy God love on you and hey, just let Him pour His beauty onto you and pour His kindness and His mercy onto you and just let Daddy hug you, let Him love you so when you see the children that grew up with us, even as you went to the village with me, they have a different identity. You see how they walk, you see how they pray, you see how they minister because they, they carry identity. They know who they are. And then each one of us, now there are tens and tens of thousands of us doing it all over Mozambique, but we just stop for the one in front of us. And it may look really simple And if you don't know how many of us are doing it, it might look like, what are they doing? Or why isn't, for example, why isn't uh, Heidi doing something more important? She could be doing an interview. (laughs) (laughs) And she's sitting there in the dirt with the poor. Well, I feel like if if I just do what God's asked me to do and I model it, little things like if they're, their kintal their yard is dirty don't just scold them and say your yard is dirty if you know who you are in daddy god then you don't want a dirty yard you want to have a clean yard you want to put flowers and trees around but instead of like saying clean your yard you just say let's all make this yard beautiful for jesus and you saw what happened So you're, I say to them, the trash of them course, and cleaning up. And of them course. All of us. <laughs> we don't just say do this, do that, do this, do that. We we say, let's make this yard a beautiful place for Jesus where we'll feel happy living here. And what you saw was many hands make the work light. So it's just all of us living the simplicity of the gospel. And that's what we do. We just live the simplicity of the gospel every day. Yes for the rest of our lives.
1: I have been watching your teachings and videos. One thing that I learned from you is worship is not only laying down on the floor, on a prostrate fall, but worship, true worship is loving one another and serving one another, and love looks like something. Amen. Tell us about how those wonders and signs follow you.
2: Well, I had a vision Uh, Years ago of the body of Jesus and he looked at me and Pierced me with his love just pierced my soul. I was undone. I I wept I I sobbed for hours on the ground and and I was undone by the beauty of his eyes, but When I looked at his body it was so broken and it was just so bruised and and he just took a piece of flesh out of his side. I've shared this story and he gave it to me and he said, give it to them to eat. And after that day, I just believe whoever he asks us to stop for every day, there's always enough because he died. And so it's sharing the beauty of Jesus, sharing the, the majesty of Jesus, the the glory of Jesus. Hey, the, the majesty of who he is among each person that he put in front of you, never complicating it. If he gave you bread, which he gave us, there we had bread, we could break it. We didn't have juice, we didn't have any way. We had water. So we took communion with bread and water because it's what we had. (laughs) And we broke and we blessed the people. And for me, that's that's the beauty of who he is. He multiplies himself through each one of us. If we would just have love, he'll take your little life, and he'll take your little life, and he'll take their little life, and he'll take our little life, and he'll multiply it so that his love and his kindness and his beauty just becomes given to everyone. So you, people often think, well, I don't have enough. I'm not going to do anything because like 150 children right now need flip-flops. So what's the point of giving a flip-flop to three children? Well, if it's what you have and that child's in front of you, love looks like something. Those children in front of me, the first two, they couldn't go to class right now because unless they have flip-flops, they can't go to school. They love Jesus. They're in school, they're in chapel, they wanna go, they wanna be, they wanna be teachers and doctors and preachers and social workers and missionaries. They wanna go, but they need flip-flops. So what does love look like then? Doesn't look like God bless you, don't ask for flip-flops, you should just earn some money. They're eight-year-olds, they're ten-year-olds. Love looks like flip-flops. Love looks like some chinellus we call them chinellus right then that's what love looked like if they're thirsty you don't say well it's my water bottle i need the water i do need the water you need the water but if someone's thirsty give them to drink hey jesus said whatsoever you do to the least of these you do unto me so you find a way And you don't just give your water, you find a way and you drill a well. Then you drill another well. Then you drill another well. Then you drill another well. Until all the people in the village know who Jesus is. Because they see the beauty of something very small and practical like a well. That means now they're not thirsty. Now they can feed their baby. Now they can go to school because they don't carry a bucket on their head for six hours to get water. It's this the gospel. It's, the gospel is good news, and it's good news to the poor. It's good news to the rich. It's good news to anyone. It's just so beautiful who Jesus is, an intimacy with Jesus, a connection with Jesus. Nothing, you don't have to say, oh, I wonder if I should do something. Holy Spirit tells you what to do. And then you act on that.
1: Yes. Today we went to some classes. We saw kids are working by the computer and they all have dreams now. They have a dream to become someone. And someone important, someone influential. And because of this, what God has done here, God is giving them dreams and visions for their lives. And I know that once upon a time they had no visions, no hope, no dreams, but now they have dreams. And you said today 400 people are working on the base, right?
2: 410 Ten. full-time workers and 60 missionaries. Wow.
1: And you have 2,000 children are waiting on the waiting list.
2: We have 3,500 in our school right up the hill, right here. And we have 2,000 children that are on the waiting list. There are actually more, but we cut the waiting list off at 2,000. Yes. Now.
1: How, where did you start? Tell us about how did you start Aww. and where you are right now.
2: That's a beautiful thing. Yes. I just started. You are a testimony of that. Well, when I was 16 years old, I was caught up in a vision, just in the glory of God. And I heard the audible voice of the Lord one time in my life. I heard the external audible voice of God. He said, you're called to be a minister and a missionary to go to Africa, Asia, and England. I just said, yes, Lord. I said, yes. He kissed my left hand. Oil ran down my arm. Jesus kissed my hand. Hey, I fell in love with Him. I fell passionately, totally, completely in love with Jesus. Ah, I fell head over heels in love with Jesus. I'm still in love with Jesus. He's a reason for everything, reason for everything. Everything I do, everything I want, everything, all my dreams are all connected in this love I have for Jesus. He's my, he's my everything. And I, as I love him, yes, I know the love of the Father and he's my daddy and I walk with him. And I want to be possessed by Holy Spirit. So that's how it all began. I fell in love with Jesus. I, I got filled with Holy Spirit. And my husband and I, we met, um, I was 20 years old, and the Lord said to marry him, and the Lord spoke to him, and we had lunch, we got married, we went off to the mission field. We were in Asia for 12 years studying, doing dance drama, and preaching the gospel, and the Lord said, stop and live with the poor. So we moved into the slums. Then three years in the UK where we did our PhDs and where I I did my PhD and started a work among the homeless and other PhD students. It was a wonderful mix. We had twelve lawyers there. Then it was time. I knew the Lord had said Africa, Asia, and England. So I knew it was time for Africa. My husband Roland knew it was time for Africa. So we just started seeking God. We just sought the Lord, fasting and prayer and. Seeking his face, just seeking his face. And he said, go to the poorest nation on earth. And so my husband uh, loves to research and he researched it was Mozambique. And just when he told me Mozambique was the poorest nation on earth, a very big influential organization said, we want to give you free land in Tanzania. We want to give you a huge base, free land. We just need a Ph.D., and um, that's what we need to run this base. And so we went there and looked at it, and we kind of thought, this is good, free land. We had no money, you know. We've never had any money. We never look at a budget. I know that upsets people, but how can you when you work with the poor? How are you supposed to have a budget? You work with the poor. (laughs) Shakaraba. There's... (laughs) So anyway, that free land and free buildings looked great. And the Lord said, I told you the poorest nation on the earth. And he said, you need to obey. When I say the poorest nation, I mean the poorest nation. And that's Mozambique. And my husband said, Rollins, my husband's name, he said, they're blowing up red cross trucks in Mozambique. They're just bombing and blowing up things. I said, perfect. (laughs) Send us there. And we had a little building in Hong Kong and... I thought we could sell it and build a children's village, a little one. The Lord said, no, um, you need to give it away. So we gave away um, everything that we had as as Iris Ministries, we called it back there. Now it's Iris Global. We just gave it away and uh, the Lord was so good. My husband said I could come ahead of him. I was defending my PhD and um, in six months, so I finished. And he said, you can go ahead. And he had come in in a little truck and they blew up a truck right in front of him. The people, they blew up the truck. There's a helicopter, there was, it was horrible. And i he called me and I said, that's where we need to go. Where they're blowing up trucks, where they're, no one else wants to go, send us there. And at that time, no one wanted to go in Mozambique. No international. Oh, cool. It was just hell, hellish, you know. Landmines and there's still a lot of landmines, but landmines and starvation and, and machine guns and bombs and just everywhere. Everything bombed out, everything broken. Poorest nation by far on the earth. And I said, come on, Jesus. We want to share your gospel in a place like this. Come on, Jesus. So I came here. And this dear, uh, sweet man named Colonel Skonkin, he's um, in heaven now. He said, you're crazy. You're totally nuts. And you're not going to last a week. But I'll take you in. I'll take you in the country. And I got here. I got my airfare one day before I got the airfare, one day before I got on the plane. My husband stayed with our two kids, Elisha and Crystalline, and they came a few months later. So I came to South Africa and I was like a little kid in a candy store. Yes, Jesus. I want to reach Mozambique for you. Come on, come on. And this guy just said, "You are the craziest woman I have ever seen. You're beyond nuts, but I'm still going to take you into the country." I said, "Thank you." I just hugged the guy and and he said, "You need a vehicle." I said, "I know. Let's pray." You know, and he's like, What? You don't have money for a vehicle? I said, No! I just gave away everything. You know, we're just going to pray, and God's going to give us money for a vehicle. He's like, You are more crazy than I thought. You're nuts! And I said, I'll just pray, and we'll trust God. We don't write letters and beg and write lists and beg and write more lists and beg and tell everyone beg. We just seek God and pray. And Come on, Jesus! So we're praying. The next day, seriously, the next day, I got $8,000. I didn't even have airfare before. I was in South Africa, $8,000 came in. So I told my friend, take me to a car auction. Take me to buy a truck. He said, No, you need a Mercedes. You need to impress people. I said, Are you kidding? I don't think so. I said, I need a truck. I know everything's blown up. I need a truck. I want to pray for a truck. He said, You need a Mercedes. Get an old used Mercedes. Impress people. No, I'm not interested in impressing people. I'm interested in getting where people need to hear the gospel. And that's going to be through some rivers. That's going to be through some dirt. I don't want some little car to impress people. I want some truck. But the only thing is I didn't know how to have, drive a truck. Later, if you'll you'll get to go with your cameras. Or you'll just pan out here and you'll see all these trucks driving by. Now we have over a hundred trucks. Here comes some more. Hallelujah. There comes some more. <laughs> these are all, some these more. are all your trucks? Those are all our trucks. They're all Iris trucks. There's a, over a hundred of them all together. All over. We have Hallelujah. bases. We have ten bases in Mozambique. they are trucks. Shakarava. So we had one truck, and I went into Mozambique. The only thing is I had no money to live anywhere. That was a little challenging, because I'm a woman... And I'm a little pale. And they were blowing up. They were shooting. And I remember it now. I'm really excited about this testimony. Because some people just won't go. They think they need to raise money and they need to beg and they need to do things that God didn't ask them to do. God only told us to go. He said, go preach the gospel. Go love the poor. Go. Go. Just go. He didn't say, make a, make a list, a bank account, and figure out how to do it. He just said, go. And all I did, you could call me nuts. You could call me foolish. You could call me naive. I don't mind. I don't mind. Because I gave my mind to Christ Jesus. And I came in this country with nothing but Christ Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, with Holy Spirit, my best friend and with Daddy God, holding me by His hands, and I just stood on His feet. And He said, Heidi, I don't want you to teach in a pastor school. I don't want you to do conferences right now. I just want you to sit and learn with the poor. We had spent... 18 years in the slums he said you need you learned about the kingdom from the poor but now you need to learn about the kingdom from the children and my friend was very worried about me he said i can get you three nights in this bible school to sleep but then i'm gonna need to leave he said he said you can change your money here i had no money to change i didn't tell him i didn't tell anybody i just said jesus You know what I have, and you know what you asked me to do. And I trust you, God. And I'm here, and I'm not going to leave this nation because you asked me to come here and believe for, for this nation, Lord. And I might look so ridiculous, people laugh at me and mock me, but I don't care. I love my God. I love my Savior. Trust my God. The Lord's not looking for the ones that have everything. He's just looking for willing hearts, that will say yes to being fully filled with oil. Jesus asks you, what do you have in your house? What I had was not even an airfare, but I had a body that was willing to come to Mozambique. That day I said, God, I trust you. And I got an airfare and I trust him. And then I got an old truck and I trusted him and I filled it with fuel and I trusted him and I got to Maputo and I trusted him. And what the little few dollars I had, I bought bread and I ate and I shared it with some street kids and I trusted them. And when there was nothing left, I'm sitting there in this Bible school and my friend has to leave and he says, I don't know what you're going to do. You are the most naive woman I've ever met in my life. I remember his words and, and I just remembered. I'm looking around, I'm looking around, I'm looking at the library. I'm looking at the science labs. I'm looking around at these <laughs> at these houses and these, the prayer house. I'm looking around and there's drill rigs. I'm looking around, what if I had said, okay, sir, you're right, I'm an idiot. You're right, I'm, I'm super naive. You're right, I, I have no business thinking that my little life and my little oil and my little offering's gonna matter. In a country destroyed by hundreds of years of colonization and destroyed by slavery and destroyed by hell, destroyed by Marxism, destroyed, just destroyed, the most humiliated nation on the planet. What's a little life matter? You know, why would you even think that your life would matter? But I believe Jesus. I believe Holy Spirit says, give your life away. And I'll take your little life, your little bit of oil, and I'll fill you with my joy. I'll fill you with my presence. I'll give you tenacity, and you won't quit. I don't have any special talents or gift. I just say yes every day. I say yes. And now all these hundreds and thousands of people are just saying yes every day with me. I have nothing special. All I do is say yes. I have a special God. Yeah. I have nothing in me that's powerful, but I have a powerful God. I'm just a little woman in the dark that said yes. And now he did it. He, he did everything. Well, that third day in Mozambique, when I had no money left, which is most days, most days, whatever's there is gone. That day it's gone. People could still say, Why didn't you plan? I do plan. We all plan. We have teams of planners. You saw our map. We pray. The way we plan is we pray and we believe. You see a little girl with a, my little Zalina. That little girl with her bloated face, with that, the teeth. You see, we don't just we don't say, oh, let's you know, write a newsletter. Those disciples there, they say, okay, Zalina has a, a tooth infection. What are you gonna do? We'll we'll all take out whatever we have and will bless her because her teeth matter. I found her on a garbage dump. I found that beautiful girl in a garbage dump, sold, sold. Now she's a powerful preacher of the gospel.
1: Hallelujah.
2: You see, we can always say, no, it's too complicated. I don't have anything. I can't do it. Day three in Mozambique, day three, I'm sitting in the dirt like I often do playing with some children day three learning language learning shangana learning portuguese and this missionary ran up to me i knew she was a missionary because she had a flowered skirt and a bun and some tennis shoes well, i knew she was a missionary she ran up to me and she said could you please help me i i'm thinking of course i can help you I don't have anything else to do. I'm just making friends here. Of course I can help you. She threw some keys in my lap. She said, I have to go to the north, and I need you to please watch my apartment. I looked at her. I know I started crying. She didn't see what I was. I, was, I had no food and no place to live. That woman threw keys at me and she ran off in her tennis shoes. She forgot to tell me where she lived. I didn't know the language. I had no money. I had a little fuel in my truck. Day three, my friend had to go back to South Africa. I grew up with everything. I grew up with private ballet and private cello and a year in Switzerland and a house on a private beach. And I grew up with everything. And once I gave my life for Jesus and the poor, I never wanted to go back. I never wanted, I didn't want to see the first world. I didn't want to see. And the Lord opened my eyes and he said, many are wretched, poor, naked and blind. Won't you love them too? And then he showed me the church in the Western world he showed showed me the church in the first world eastern world he showed them to me and and he showed me their hair was like light in mozambique when you're malnourished your hair goes light i saw i saw western bride in asia the eastern bride the first world bride and i saw them they had money but they they turned into people with malnourished hair looking their, their teeth were falling out, their bellies were bloated, they had worms in their feet. I saw that they were not eating fresh bread. They were eating garbage, like the children I brought home. They were eating fluff and puff. They were in church, many of them in church, eating cotton candy. They were drinking Diet Coke. They were preaching a message preaching about getting rich, preaching about all kinds of things while they were poor, while they were hungry, while they were needy. And he said, won't you love them too? I want you to take fresh bread to them. I cried. I didn't want to go. I said, Lord, please don't take me away from Mozambique. Please, God, I, I, I'm I, begging you. Lord, I don't want to go. I'm begging you. And then the Lord t- took me again with my children about 20 of my children laying hands on me and let the children come I love I love now one third of my life I travel I travel to take fresh bread I'm just a little woman in the dirt I'm not, I'm not saying I have anything special but I have a special God, powerful God and I'm going to keep taking that bread and I'm going to keep breaking it because my Jesus is enough for me And I want you to understand and know Jesus is enough for you.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you've been whining about having to believe God, then you ought to be falling over on the floor and repenting about right now. Hallelujah. Trust you haven't been or you'd already be there. Glory to God. Well, does anybody want to share what they uh, heard the Holy Ghost saying in this? Hallelujah, the one. I like. It. I like that. The one. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Well, let me run through some things real quickly. Uh, that this is just on, on this uh, that I just wrote down. <clears throat> First of all, one of the reasons I show these, I want to show these kind of things, is I want us to have a world view in our church. I don't want us to just have this little narrow piece of tuscaloosa county or view and so i want us to have a world view as a church and then secondly i want us to be exposed to all kinds of ministries and see and so the first thing i wrote down is god is working all over the entire world and i think that that all I'm, when i watch things like this i'm always amazed at how much god is doing so i love that part now the next thing was uh, Falling in love with Jesus is the principal thing. She said that right at the beginning. I just, I fell in love with Jesus. And I came to the conclusion that, that that's the launching point. That until you fall in love with Jesus, you're really not going to fulfill the destiny of your life. It, that What God has planned for your life. Uh, the next thing was, uh, <clears throat> don't ask how. <laughs> just obey. uh we can say what's the what's the first step, Jesus, but don't would we just don't ask how. And and if if you did ask how, there's a, how do you explain the supernatural? How do you explain that? I don't think God could explain it to us how y'all he, how he's gonna do it and how he's gonna take care of it. Hallelujah. Number four, or the next thing was uh, supernatural finances is not explainable. And neither is it defendable. I know we've been ministering to some people that don't live here. And uh, they're struggling with that supernatural finances and between supernatural finances and natural finances. And, uh, but you cannot defend supernatural finances to other people. You can't. It does not make sense to the world or to worldly Christians how you can, why you would do what you're doing. Why, why would you tithe? Your accountant might say, you know, especially if it's like if if you do tithe, they want to see well, where's your, how big is your 401k and your investments and stuff like that. They don't understand where people like her. And like myself and like you, that it's like, no, we don't. We, we, we spent it all today. And, you know, we paid the bills and we gave and we spent it all. But And you cannot defend that to worldly people. There's no way to do it. Um, number five, you are not required to prove to others that you are obeying God. Sometimes I think we feel like we have to prove it to our parents, to our our brothers and sisters, to our kin folks. I guess you would say, uh, do we have to prove it? Well, yeah, but God told me to, and just let them wonder. We do not have to prove anything to them or to anybody else. See, but it's like our our flesh wants to justify itself and wants to explain and, and you know, no matter how you spell it out, you cannot explain the supernatural to them where they would understand it. You kind of have to already be walking in the supernatural to understand somebody walking in the supernatural. So if you tell me and pastor, we're going to like, yeah, I get that. But you know, cause I totally got what she, you know, I didn't think that was even strange that she would do that, but obviously a lot of people did number six <clears throat> we ought to expect others to doubt our mission because you know others are looking at us they, uh, how, how did Paul put that where he said I don't know you I don't to know you by the flesh we're not to know each other by the flesh but you know your family's always going to doubt your mission because they saw you know and you know it's so funny it's I've noticed that my family is really good at remembering everything negative I ever did. Not so good at remembering all the good things I ever did. You know? I mean, if I, it's like if you ever had a temper tantrum or something, it's like it is just glued onto their brain that you had a <laughs> a hissy fit. Y'all know what that is? If you ever did something like that. But they can't remember all the times you kept your mouth shut and didn't say anything when they... Was acting like heathens. Okay. (laughs) Number seven. The supernatural and the natural don't mix. Hallelujah. Sometimes we want to do a supernatural thing for God. We will have a mission in our heart. A supernatural mission. But then we try to lean on the natural to do it. Hallelujah. Number eight. This really. It only takes one to change a nation. So I can look around here tonight, and I say, "There's plenty of there's plenty here to change Tuscaloosa County." It took only one to change Mozambique. Not that God didn't add help to her. Don't get me wrong, but she she's the one that, yeah, she carried it. So only takes one. Number nine, uh, Jesus, and nothing is everything. Now, <laughs> you have heard that saying before. But I want to tell you, and I see that saying posted on Facebook and places like that all the time. But I tell you what, I think people, Christians nowadays, especially American Christians, are really good at posting on Facebook all these little religious and witty sayings, and, and they don't but they're not living any of them they they but but I I, it's to me it's like uh and I'm not even condemning them I'm not even putting them down but I'm thinking it's like it's more like that's what I want to live but I don't but I, I think it's time that we start quit posting on Facebook faith and start living faith just like uh uh Heidi did so uh we got to do what under that same thing we got to do what God's told us to do and you know if you think about it if God gives you a million dollar project to do for him does it really matter if you have zero money or if you have twenty thousand dollars or if you have a hundred thousand let me ask you will any of those do a million dollar project no so if you're going to have to believe God it's just as easy with zero as it is with a hundred thousand dollars and that's where God's put all of us is in a place where he says, uh, I've called you to do something that you, are, you couldn't do if you wanted to. Because he, he just wants us to be willing and to step. Uh, number 10, trust God and he will do awesome things with your life. I think that was just the boiled down message of this whole video. Is He gave her something to do that you don't need a PhD to do. It didn't, it didn't do her really any good. He wouldn't even let her take the job that required a PhD, so uh, trust God and He will do all something awesome with your life. I was thinking about how significant uh, Luke and Pam Avery, and if y'all some of y'all know them and but they're pastor Dennis and Miss Vicky's son and daughter-in-law, and they and Luke just turned 40. And he looks all of 18. <laughs> he does. He's a, And they are the cutest thing. And them in their little wheelchairs. Because they both were born with spinal bifida. And uh, they have had a lot of healing in their body. But not the complete get up out of the chair yet. But they have, you know, they've had all sorts of healing where, uh well, I don't want to go into it. But anyway, <laughs> there's a lot to be healed when you're born with spinal bifida. And so... Uh, and so they're in their wheelchairs, and they are just, I i just get tickled every time I'm around them, because Pam is like, she'd preach if Pastor Avery let her have the mic for one minute, <laughs> she would be off and running. And I was sitting in the car the other night, uh, waiting on him, and I saw Pam leaving her their houses right by the church, and the driveway slopes, and boy, she was coming down that Driveway. and she was driving that like NASCAR, you know, <laughs> to get to the church. But anyway, here's my point. But the Lord spoke to me the other night about them, and when we were there, and he said they are very significant to Tuscaloosa County. And I'm thinking, you know, that kind of was shocking, but he said her prayers are significant to this county. And then he said, and you know, Luke sings, and but the Lord said, I'm going to put a new sound in him that is going to affect the atmosphere in Tuscaloosa County. And I'm thinking, I was thinking about that. There is no insignificant person if they'll just give their life to God. He has something wonderful for every person to do that will give their life to him. Number 11, uh, he's looking for willing hearts that will say yes. Number twelve, no special talents needed. I liked what and she also said she didn't have any special talents and she had no gift. We've been talking in Sunday morning about no gift. No gift, no gift. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Number 13, she said she said yes every day. That's all that's all she does is say yes every day. Hallelujah. Number 14, she said she did her planning by praying. Planning by praying. I love that. Um, I think you ought to get a map and pray over a map. Even if you don't think you're going to a country, that's okay. Let God lead you to a prayer mission and take a country on. There's country. They need our help. The Christians in countries, they need us. Um, Number 15. Well, I already said this one, but I'll say it again. Every person is important. Number 16, the church is hungry and needy. She said the Western church was hungry and needing, needy. They had been being fed and been eating junk food. Uh, they're malnourished. Hallelujah. They're go- they go to church, but they're malnourished. Uh. And I just think that's a good lesson for us here. It's like the church in Tuscaloosa County, the body of Christ needs us. Because they are living on junk food. They're not getting fed the truth of the word of God. And they're malnourished. Hallelujah. So, you, you play a significant part. Number 17, Jesus is enough. Hallelujah. Jesus is enough. 18. Uh, And this is something that you can just catch from what she said is it's not about you and me. (laughs) You know, if we all just, all Christians just figured out it's not about us. Instead of trying to make our life about us, if we start making our life about what he's asked us to do, Mm -hmm. then um, that would lead us to number 19, which is obeying God is the way to joy and happiness and a wonderful life we're looking sometimes for joy and happiness but most christians i know are not very joyful and not very happy but i think it's because we're trying to live the natural life and the the uh, spiritual life Uh, and what melissa said uh, about the one and that we're having ministers prayer tomorrow and that's one of the things that I have wrote down uh, for tomorrow because remember uh, we've read this prophecy several times but the one from uh, what's his name from Texarkana Tracy Harris he told us he spoke to us in this church and he said minister to the one minister to the one hallelujah so that's an important that's an important thing so that's what I had for tonight, and uh, like I said, it wasn't what was taught; it was what was caught. But God's speaking. God was speaking to us through that. Hallelujah! And if nothing else, you got to expose to Heidi Baker. Hallelujah! I'm glad we know her. We don't know her personally, but I'm glad we know her, and I'm glad we know. Her. There's some. There's a lot of people I'm glad we know. And uh, that lady that was on there that was the Muslim that got converted, you know, I can pronounce her name if I had to right now. But anyway, whatever that was. Well, she's on the Internet interviewing Michelle Bachman on YouTube. You can listen to her, that same lady, interview uh, Michelle Bachman. Hallelujah. So pastors coming up and.